In this sermon delivered on October 15, 2006, the Reverend Richard Helmer explores the story of Jesus and the rich man from Mark 10, verses 17 through 31, our relationship with wealth and our spiritual need to be generous. In the name of the one who made us, who saves us, and who will not leave us alone. Amen. Well, last week I had to preach about divorce. You'd think this week would be a little bit easier, but it's not. I have to teach about wealth. In the Episcopal Church, we seem to suffer from two major misconceptions about money. It's either dirty, or we treat it almost as though it's a god. Take your pick, neither are very good. Talking about money in church is one of those things that tends to make us shift uncomfortably in our pews. It can be the forbidden subject. In all honesty, it's one of the most uncomfortable subjects for me to bring up in any sermon. It's easier to talk about lighting, the need for a sound system, how we worship, where our Sunday school is headed, We're even more comfortable these days talking about sex in church than money. But then there's a price tag attached to all of this that we have, isn't there? And that's where the dance begins. Because we can blanket fundraising with the euphemism stewardship, couch things in very carefully worded terms about ministry, and hope and pray to God no one. No one asks us too much about our pocketbooks our checking accounts, or these days our debit or our credit cards. For some reason, we are embarrassed to ask and sheepish about telling. And then if you watch closely today and notice what I as your priest do after I receive the alms basins, well, I wash my hands. Now, what does that say? The fascinating thing is this. Of all the subjects in our scriptures, the one that gets the most airtime isn't sex, believe it or not. Or even kings, for that matter. Or how to worship God correctly. It's money. In Hebrew scriptures, the way we give offerings to God and to the poor in our midst and to each other is an incredibly important indicator of the faith that we have as God's people. And in the New Testament, Jesus, as in today's Gospel, is frequently talking about wealth, coins, and their close relationship with justice. And of course, among the most important arguments of the early church in the book of Acts is precisely how the Christian community shares of its possessions and money for the good of the kingdom of God and for those in need. See, money isn't dirty. Not to God, and it shouldn't be to us either. And somehow that sounds a little bit heretical in the liberal West in a mainline church, but it's something that is profoundly true. And you know, the rest of society seems to have this figured out 
which is why we are surrounded by accountants, bankers, and economists, ready to help us navigate the complexities of a world that runs, in large part, on money. For God, it's not mere money that matters. But as Jesus points out to the man who approaches him this morning, it's what we do with it that matters so much more. And who is this man? This man who comes to Jesus in today's gospel. He comes seeking out this itinerant teacher, this strange new way of living on the edge of society. A new kind of community that has tax collectors and sinners of all stripes and forms in it. The healed and those who are seeking healing. This wise man who claims some special connection with God. And this man comes and kneels at his feet. This rich man could be, yes, I'm going to say this with a straight face, he could be from Marin County. He's a nice guy. He certainly has his affairs in order. He's followed the rules of his community. He's an upright citizen. He knows his religious tradition and even the spirit behind it. He knows the commandments, and he's willing to talk with this strange teacher off the beaten paths of religiosity and out of the ordinary. He has an open mind, and he has every mark of success that would lead any of us here to respect him, including the wealth that should befall any of us who are decent, right? And Jesus beholds him. This man who has his life together and comes yearning with a profound question, thirsting for the real food of the spirit that Christ has to offer. He is among the rare few in the Gospels of Scripture who are bold enough, even wise enough to ask what must be done to gain eternal life. And in this way, he's ahead of even some of the apostles. And Jesus beholds him. And lest we think that Jesus ever detested the wealthy, Mark notes quite simply that Jesus loved him, period. Yet, Jesus responds to him with a startling and a life-shattering request. He asks this man, someone whom he loves, to admit, not in words, but in action, that all the wealth under his control doesn't ultimately belong to him. Because there is one simple and profoundly spiritual problem for this man. Everything, everything in the conversation with Jesus has been about him. It's been about his faith, his obedience, his questions, his timing, and now it becomes about his treasured wealth. Martin Luther King Jr., in a beloved sermon he delivered nearly 40 years ago, noted that there are three dimensions to a full life, length, breadth, and height. The length is what King referred to as rational and healthy self-interest. It's the kind that sustains us and our families. 
the kind that develops and enriches our inner powers. But the difficulty is many of us, particularly in the United States, get stuck here, get stuck in the one dimension of length. We worry only about ourselves, ultimately. But there is the second dimension, the breadth of life. It is in our willingness to offer what we have been given to others, to recognize that we depend not on our own metal, but upon many who have come before us, and many who labor still in sometimes painful conditions. Our Buddhist brothers and sisters call this interdependence. The whole world is connected. None of us live in a vacuum. And that's something I believe Jesus would have heartily agreed with. And of course it means much more than recognizing that we have others to thank for where we are and who we are in the world. The world relies on our willingness to be generous with what we've been given. God's economy is every bit as important as the economy we worry about in the markets and banks of our lives. It is an economy where we are part of a great human family, and even the poor in our midst have a significant role to play in our shared prosperity. As one people, one family of humanity, we rise or we fall together. The great temptation, and indeed the great heresy that we are tempted to follow as wealthy people, and that means all of us living in the West, is that this wealth that we have is ours. That was the heresy that blocks the rich man from joining Jesus' disciples. It is what causes our Savior to rail about camels and the eyes of needles, the painful truth about power and might, and their tricky, if not impossible, relationship with the eternal life that God in Christ offers. Because until we are ready to share out of all our gifts, including our wealth, with the least in our midst, Until we can be as generous as God has been generous in giving everything away in Christ out of love for us. Until we can be like that, we fall short of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that, my sisters and brothers, is what might prompt us to ask, like Jesus' followers in today's gospel, then who can be saved? because we have all fallen short of this call. I include myself in this. We have all been too careful with our pennies. We've been worried about being overly generous. We've guarded our safe homes and our bank accounts and portfolios. Sometimes, in our most honest times, we admit that we are stubborn in that we isolate ourselves And that stubbornness indicts us. We have turned away from the poor and the homeless. We have turned down an invitation to be generous to the communities that sustain us. We have been, in the words of Harry Emerson Fosdick's hymn, rich in things 
but poor in soul. And so in response to that awful reality, Jesus says to us, as he says to his disciples, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. The third dimension of a complete life that Martin Luther King alludes to is height. Our height comes from our recognition of God's power in our midst. The rich man in today's gospel forgot this despite his devotion to his faith and tradition, despite all his good learning. Because without learning a bit of height in our lives, of turning to God, we are trapped in our one-dimensional devotion to wealth. Our money remains a God along with all our possessions. But if we turn to God and ask for help in being generous, in turning our lives outward despite all the calls to focus inwards, to see our prosperity as a gift made in us to be shared, and not just 10%, but 100%, every last penny, then we are back on the path of grace that Jesus points to. Some of you may remember the verse of the song, they will know we are Christians by our love. But the world will know our love best through our generosity. And we will then know more fully the reign of God, the abundance, even with persecutions that Christ promises to Peter. Hold each other accountable for being generous in the coming days, not only to each other, to Church of Our Savior, but to the poor among us, the grieved and the struggling. And this season, before the crush of Christmas and commercialism sneaks up on us, before our schedules demand more than we are, before we get lost in the sea of economic hegemony that is our lot in life, whether we want it or not, before we begin to ask each other and answer each other's calls for gifts, before all this, stop. Stop and remember Jesus' words that the path to generous living, generous living that is the hallmark of God's reign, is gained only through grace. We cannot lead generous lives on our own. Ask God for a generous spirit. We, blinded as we all can be by our wealth, need generosity more than anything else in the world. And take heart that Jesus beholds you and me and all of us together, just as he beheld the rich man in today's gospel. He beholds us and he loves us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We strive to be a welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and a journey in faith with God's people 
through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or through our website, OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.